Hey then, this is the year of the what? Huh? It's the year of the tiger, man. Oh, tiger. Mm. Oh, I wonder what the year of the tiger means for Russians and Ukrainians. <laughs> Hi Dan, good evening. Evening Varan, how are you? Not bad, not bad. How about you? Good, I'm excited for another holiday coming up. Chinese New Year is next week and uh, I'm taking it off and so is this podcast. Yes, yes. And I I think we need a break, right? Well, not from the podcast, but maybe from life in general. (laughs) How's your ankle? Yes, slowly but surely recovering. I say slowly, but yeah, really, really slowly. Yeah, Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Thanks, buddy. I hope the Year of the Tiger really um, gets me all sprawling up and down soon. (laughs) But anyway, Mm. um, we have another exciting podcast for the people today. Indeed. I hope so. Today's episode is going to be about something quite close to your heart, but I guess close to everybody's heart in Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> it's fair to say, and particularly with Chinese New Year coming, we thought it's a good one. We want to talk about money today. Yes. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. <laughs> yes. Unless, of course, if you hold cryptocurrency, then I don't know what sound crypto makes. But anyway. Beep-bop. <laughs> yeah, maybe beep-bop. Um, yeah, we want, we want to talk about money today. And, you know, I think it has captured a lot of the world's imagination. Yeah. So particularly in the pandemic, one of the key, I guess, not only local and regional, but global issues that have yeah. come to affect us yeah. is this, uh, well, rather serious notion of inflation. Yes. And how that is, you know, not only affected supply chains and how that has caused an incendiary effect to the cost of some of the, the goods that we're having in this country. Mm. But also in general, what is the effect of inflation. I think there's been a lot of fear around this word inflation. Mm. Now I think it's a good time perhaps to really, and I don't want to say this word, but I kind of have to unpack <laughs> what inflation uh, means yeah. and you know why it should be seen in the context of other realities around things that affect money. And again, we want to also talk about inflation in relation to not only within the public sphere, but I guess also in parliament sitting mm. and in general, some of the more major announcements that have come up in the last couple of days. So I think to really understand inflation, since we are a Singapore podcast, we have mm. to talk about inflation in Singapore. There are two things maybe that I need to walk the listeners through. Mm. And I'm sure many listeners know some of it, if not all of it, yeah. or may know even more than me. Yeah. But the two things are first, what is inflation? Mm-hmm. And then the second is, how does Singapore manage it? So let me start with what is inflation. And you know, if you find this a bit trivial, then be my guest and, and, and fast forward. <laughs> So, you know, there are two kinds that most economists look at. So the first kind of inflation is transitory inflation. So this inflation really pertains to very specific sectors and may be caused by like, you know, supply chain disruptions or, Mm. you know, factory shutting down. Very kind of acute changes in supply and demand within a market. So during the pandemic, people were very worried about eggs because most of our eggs come from Malaysia. There was a run on eggs and that caused prices of eggs to go up. That is inflation in that particular sector. And it's transitory because once we had eggs coming in from different sources, prices came back down. Yes. So so that is one example of inflation in a particular sector. And during the pandemic, we've seen prices of very specific things go up. In America, for example, there was a lot of inflation in the US last year, but a lot of it was driven by like two or three things like office chairs because people were buying chairs to use at home mm. and also secondhand cars because people didn't want to take public transport anymore. So that's very transitory because if you're not looking for a secondhand car, it doesn't, it doesn't touch you. And once the pandemic settles down, 
you you would expect to get a, a car at a normal price, yeah. right? Let's hope when and not if. What is up for debate is like we are now kind of into the second year of inflation playing a big role in people's economic decisions. Of course, for a long time, even myself, I, I believe there was a transitory kind of inflation where you know, once supply chains kind of settled down, things would be better. Mm. I think more than ever, that notion is up for debate. Is it transitory, like I mentioned, or is it this other type of inflation, the more structural inflation? And structural inflation, it's not a good thing or a bad thing per se. It depends on, on what drives it. Structural inflation means that there is a structural change to the prices in the economy. So it could be because people are becoming very rich very quickly. So people who are selling uh, want to raise the prices to capture that demand. That's a uh, structural change, right? And if your salary isn't increasing at that same rate, then you're, you're in big trouble. And if it's increasing at the rate of inflation, then it means nothing because your salary goes up, but so, so do costs. Yes. But there are other things that can drive it. So for example, what governments decide to do, like printing cash. Printing cash can cause uh, structural inflation because there's more money in the market. I think we are at a point now, these few months, the whole world is grappling with this question. What type of inflation is the world dealing with? Is it transitory? Is it structural? Uh, I think nobody knows. Yeah. But also, I think maybe it's also good, I guess, to qualify. Inflation is all not bad. Uh, oh, yeah. It's not necessarily bad. It's not necessarily bad. And and I think that's what's maybe the tricky bit of inflation. Maybe to give an example of what good inflation would be is if our economy is growing at a pretty good rate and salaries are growing at that rate. And then we start to see prices increase. That is really because, like I said, sellers are trying to capture the increase in people's income, right? The demand doesn't change much. The supply doesn't change much. But why is it good? Because the position of the country with, with that type of inflation is better than the rest of its neighbors because they're growing at a faster rate. So if you're going to another country, you know, you have more to spend over there, right? You yeah. can buy more rupiah, you can buy more ringgit, you yeah. can buy more, you know. Souvenir, you can buy more yeah. LV bag. Really depending yeah. on who, what kind of a personality you are. And then and then it puts you in a better position to invest overseas. The point is that inflation is good, it's bad, but it really depends on the context. Yeah. And I guess for Singapore, the Monetary Authority of Singapore mm. is really the one that looks and monitors this source of inflation levels in Singapore? Yeah, exactly. So the Monetary Authority of Singapore, let's, let's just say MAS for short, mm. it's Singapore Central Bank, right? So if you're familiar with the Federal Reserve, you know, in the United States, the MAS is, is that for us, right? And yeah. they do a similar role, but they have a bit of a different mandate. So in the United States, the mandate of the central bank is to, you know, ensure uh, full employment, and it's also to ensure stability of interest rates. Whereas in Singapore, it's a bit different, right? The MAS, their mandate is to ensure the stability of the currency and to make Singapore a financial hub. Lah. So the mandate is a bit different. Yeah. So, so of course, the tools that they need to use are, are different. Yeah. And I think that kind of speaks volumes or, or maybe speaks a lot to Singapore's role as a trade facilitator or ah, a country that's, yeah. com that's very much yeah. dependent on trade. Yeah. Um, I guess trading with our immediate trade partners or, or, or whenever trade happens elsewhere, we, should, we want to be a part of it, right? Mm. So then again, I guess, why are we operating our monetary policy based on foreign exchange rates? Correct, correct. We're not the only country that has foreign exchange policy. It's just that in Singapore, our foreign exchange policy is also our monetary policy. So what that means is how Singapore, I hate to use the word manipulate, but how Singapore ma manages our currency in terms of other currencies 
also has a direct effect on how much money is in circulation, how much Singapore dollars in circulation in Singapore and around the world. And, you know, I think based on how you've given that kind of really apt description, it is, I think, I guess it is rightful to say that it is a pretty complicated topic. Yeah, it's complicated. It's a rather complex one, which involves not just monetary policy, but also general policy towards how yeah. things are locally. Um, An individual views inflation completely differently to how perhaps a country uh, views it. And the effects of it are also very different. By the way, how much uh, currency do you think Singapore has in circulation? Ooh, um, Singapore dollars? How much Singapore dollar is out there? I would probably fathom a guess of around $1 billion. <laughs> Way more than that. <laughs> That's uh, very far from the truth. Oh. So Singapore, it's about just under $50 billion just in notes and coins. Wow. Yeah. You may think $50 billion is a lot for currency. How much do you think is in total deposits for Singapore dollars? Mm. So all the bank accounts in Singapore dollars added up around the world. $97,780,420,000,000. Close. $700 billion. Oh my God. Yeah. We are rich. <laughs> Some would say we are crazy rich then. So I guess the question then again is, why are we talking about this right now? Yeah, and why has this been in the um, the center of focus? Do you want to maybe give the the listeners a bit of a rundown on why this is such a newsy topic now? Then I think on one hand, the world has gone without structural high levels of inflation for quite a while now, really since the uh, recovery from the two thousand and eight financial crisis, and that was good inflation, right? Because we were coming out yeah. of a crisis, and now we find ourselves in this point where you know we've had steady and rising inflation over the last year, not just in Singapore, but around the world. And the question really is, is it structural? Like we mentioned before, is it inflation that is uh, caused by very systemic issues within the economy? Or is this more transient caused by you know supply chain breakdowns, things that can resolve quickly? Mm. And it's in the news because that's been that's been debated hotly. But since the question has not been answered, central banks around the world have started to make moves. So earlier this month, the Federal Reserve indicated that they are planning on raising interest rates in the first quarter of the year. So the Federal Reserve in the United States, they look at interest rates four times a year and indicate whether they'll raise them or not, or, or lower them, depending on the economic situation. But back home, also, there's been news because MAS has decided to raise the limit on the foreign exchange rate of the Singapore dollar, which in essence cut back the value of the Singapore dollar and you know make exports from Singapore more expensive and it, imports cheaper. I, mean, I guess what you might be trying to say is that the Singapore dollar for, I don't know, an average person mm. might get a bit stronger. So things that you might buy would be cheap. Would that be a fair understanding for a layman? Yeah, I mean, it depends what, what you're buying and where you're buying from. I mean, there's whole other different structural issues like prices are what economists call sticky. So they take time to come down or go up. But basically in Singapore, for every dollar that we spend, 40 cents goes abroad. So you would expect that those 40 cents goes a bit longer than before. And it's also a very kind of newsy topic also because it's something that we don't expect Singapore or the MAS to do. Well, not uh, right now, right? MAS looks at their foreign exchange bans twice a year um, in April and October. Yep. So it's a bit unusual for them to make an announcement about, about that so early in the year off cycle. But it's interesting that they do it, you know, around the same time that 
the United States, the Federal Reserve makes that announcement as well. So the two central banks have different mandates, but they're both looking at the same issue. And so the levers that they have to make adjustments are, are a bit different. But yeah, I mean, as you have as you have rightfully addressed, that their, their main two focus is also slightly different. I guess it is interesting, particularly in a local context, is that one of the opposition MPs, um, James Lim, who is an associate professor of economics, has made uh, statements about this in parliament. Yeah, yeah so I mean... Uh you know, last week we talked about Parliament and what happened there. But one of the things we didn't talk about was this Monetary Authority of Singapore Amendment Bill, which uh, it, it's also quite a technical bill, but essentially it, the bill allowed for the Singapore government to borrow money from MAS, which the crux of the issue is that Singapore's foreign reserves, that means the foreign money that Singapore uses to manage the foreign exchange rate, is continually outpacing the amount of money that the government saves every year. So Jameis Lim in that, in his speech asked, hey, look, uh, do we need to make some kind of adjustment? It seems like we have too much foreign reserves now. Why don't we cut back on the foreign reserves, allow our currency to fluctuate higher, which means that individuals in Singapore may experience you know, the cost of living come down a little bit, especially from imported goods. Yeah. That was the political message he was trying to sell. Yeah. You know, I mean, of course, just to be fair, James Lim did also bring up this issue of the amount of money MES holds to manage our foreign exchange bans, right? So currently MES holds about 65% of our annual GDP in foreign reserves. And anything above that, you know, they give back to the government, they give to GIC to, to invest for us. So it is a fair point for him to ask, like, how does MES come up with this 65%? Should it be more? Should it be less? You know, it's his job as an opposition member of parliament to ask. Yeah, that's right. It, it is a fair question to ask. And particularly as we are not really sure how we got that 65% uh, threshold figure, I, I guess it's a good one to find out, right? Then mm. I guess it also raises the question of um, how much of foreign reserves should we be keeping, but also what kind of effect that has on the local currency that yeah. we carry, right? Because yeah. that that then affects day-to-day behavior of the average Singaporean. Yeah, I think that that's a good question. That's something important to to understand. So I'll try to explain it like this. If the percentage of GDP kept in foreign reserves was lower, it would mean that MAS would have less amount of foreign reserves to either pump in to increase the value of our currency or pump out to decrease the value of our currency situa- when the economic situation changes, right? If we had more, it would be good, but we need to have a balance. If we have too much in terms of GDP, then it's kind of like a never-ending race, right? Like, you know, we may not need so much of it. So I think 65% is what the MAS has decided is effective for them now. Thanks, Dan. And and I mean, it's, it, it is actually quite a good representation mm. uh, for those listening that the monetary policy as a financial policy is quite a convoluted discussion point just yeah. because like you've you know clearly said a lot of things are dependent on on other things yeah. and it is it is a bit difficult i guess to try and break the effect or impact of one thing mm. without trying to understand or quantify the impact of something else yeah. yeah clearly how much of foreign reserves that we have or that is of use to mas or not of use to mas mm. is a policy decision that has Definitely a bearing on how much the value of the local currency mm. is worth and the direct effect it has on average Singaporean. So the fact that this was discussed in parliament and the fact that he raised the question of trying to get 
or trying to undertake a study in order to make this more public is a useful one. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, I think we have to bear in mind that not everything sometimes can be so easily <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. made public, right? For example, the foreign exchange rate and the way we kind of, I, I don't want to use the word manipulate intentionally here mm-hmm. because- Manage, manage. Manage is probably the better way yeah. of saying this. For example, MAS has a basket of, of currency indicators, five currency indicators, mm. which are actually not made public. Um, well, you can kind of guess what they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can make an educated guess, I yeah. suppose, right? But it's kept secret just so that we have a slight bit of a competitive- um, edge to it. Yeah, I think I think that's true. Yeah. And what happens is MAS then uses that basket of five currencies mm. to peg our exchange rate Correct. to the currencies within the basket. Yeah. Uh, it's a different approach yeah. that Singapore has taken. But more importantly, it's an approach that uh, focuses on keeping our exchange rate stable, which um, has worked, right? So yeah. all yeah. throughout these years, that is how we've maintained our monetary policy. Correct. I think James brought up the point that our um, our real effective exchange rate from 1970 mm. um, was about 107.6. And currently in 2021, it's about 104.5. So mm. he, he, he also made the point and, you know, uh, fairly and accurately, I suppose, that it, it hasn't really changed as much and questioned why that's the case. Citing the example that, you know, most countries that went through an accelerated form of economic development would see somewhat of a, of a rise in Correct, that. correct. But then there's a caveat to that, right? It's not just the rise. We're looking for stability. In general, in terms of like how economists generally see the world, you know, his assumption is fair that like when the economy grows, you would expect the currency to increase in value. But I think Singapore is a bit of a unique case, right? Because uh, we have to do a lot of things at the same time. We are obviously growing our financial hub. We are also obviously growing our services to be you know, more competitive around the world. But at the same time, you know, a key part of our of our market is is exports. Maybe things that are more difficult to produce in terms of technology, like uh, aircraft parts and uh, microchips. Microchips, yeah. So I think it's a very delicate balance, lah. If we allowed the Singapore dollar to appreciate too quickly against you know world currencies, then it could really disrupt our local market, right? Because it'd be so much more expensive yeah. to buy. But at the same time, of course, James Lim is right that if we allowed the currency to appreciate as well, then our standard of living might increase a little bit because goods, imported goods will be cheaper. Uh, but I think we have to look at the total effect of both, right? What is better for Singapore? Maintaining a robust economy with, you know, services, banking, but also exports or just purely looking at one specific sector, which is, you know, how much things cost, right? Yeah. And I think on the balance, it's probably better to look at it more holistically. Yeah. I, I mean, that's my that's my own opinion. Yeah, right? I mean, I guess the best is to get the best of both worlds, right? So uh, <laughs> if, you, if you're really gunning for that, then I guess that's what people want to hear. But then there's also, um, it is important to to note what the day-to-day Singaporeans are feeling, particularly in a time of a pandemic. So yeah. part of, I guess, getting these kind of decisions right is to make sure that you look at it from an overarching point of view. Yeah, um, I think it, it is important, I think, to also at this juncture of the podcast say that the focus of some of the conversations we've had might be on Jameis, but it's it's not a criticism. Mm. It's, it's it's more of a unveiling to try and understand why was this brought out, mm. right? Um, and some of the other things that- Well, it's it, a critical analysis, you know. Yeah, I mean- Trying it, to be. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, and I guess it's, there's a lot of value in, in getting information out, but at the same time trying to see if that, you know, really resonates with, with the bigger picture. Yeah. And I guess the important point to this discussion is that mm. 
Um, it's not something that it's being hidden or mm. it's not something that, you know, has been this huge cover-up that's being uncovered. Mm. It is actually the, um, the country's national tactic yeah. in ensuring that it has got a stable uh, monetary policy. Yeah. I think that being said, you know, as we are looking towards the budget debates that are coming up in February, uh, one of the things that is likely to be talked about is a hike in GST in Singapore, right? Mm. And, you know, the opposition is using this. And I, fair, fair enough, right? The opposition is using this as a time to say, look, inflation is high. Is increasing the GST right now, you know, something that, that is worth doing? And I understand why many Singaporeans will be frustrated at, at this. Because, right, inflation is going up. And also, you know, you're going to pay 2% more in, in sales tax or whatever it is. So I think the, the point of this episode was also a primer on how difficult it is to really assess how money works in Singapore uh, in terms of what is good for the economy, what is good for people, um, and the balance that the government needs to find. Yeah, I think you're right, Dan. Um, while you were discussing some of the points about this rather convoluted uh, topic, it also makes you kind of understand that Singapore is a unique entity in its own. It's a bit difficult to, I guess, like for like compare Singapore's monetary policy with uh, another country's monetary policy because yeah. the aims and the levers that are in place are, are significantly different. Mm. So it's also worth maybe contextualizing some of this as well. Yeah. Um, but why are they different? I mean, that's an important question to answer too, which is that because the situation, our situation is different, right? No other country is also a city that has no natural resources. And so we need a unique set of, like you say, levers to manage our monetary policy. We can't do what Japan does. We can't do what China does, or we can't do what US does. The US does, yeah. Because they're totally different con contexts. Yes. I think most of the monetary policies that we have done uh, in Singapore since independence, not only has it been slightly more eccentric, but it has also <laughs> been shown over the, the test of time that it has in effect made us a stable economy, which is what I think we want. I would agree to that, but I don't think everyone would. Yeah. yeah. But I would agree. Absolutely. So <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's a that's a good context to also add to this discussion, right? Then not yeah. everybody will be on the same page. So yeah. all we can do, I guess, is to try and give as much unbiased information as we possibly can get our hands on regardless of whether the topic is large or small. And, you know, I hope our listeners kind of enjoyed it. Thank you for staying through this difficult uh, episode. Yeah, and I hope, you know, you guys learned something as much as I definitely did listening to Dan. Yeah. If you notice the uh, audio changed a little bit, it's because we had to change locations, <laughs> <laughs> recording locations because there was construction in our normal space. Part of the amateur podcast journey, Indeed. I suppose. We had a good shake check. We had a good shake check. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. thought of all of you. We hope you've enjoyed it and we, we promise to come back after Chinese New Year mm. when I know the budget discussions will be much more of a prevalent thing. With uh, hopefully a very special guest. Yes, yes. You, you know, I think, I don't want to say it, but you know, I think it's worth the wait, guys. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, think about think about money in a very auspicious Chinese New Year. Happy Chinese New Year to everyone in advance. Gong si fa cai. Hang pao na lai. <laughs> On that note, uh, take care and goodbye, Singapore. <laughs>